0: The nation was invigorated by President John F. Kennedy's 1961 call to action to put an American on the moon before 1970. NASA was steadfast in their goal to design a mission to the moon that would, most importantly, bring all astronauts home safely. Once this goal was achieved with the Apollo 11 mission in July of 1969, Congress began cutting NASA's budget and the nation became apathetic about subsequent missions. That is until Apollo 13's smooth flight suddenly became a fight against all odds to bring three brave astronauts home alive. Uh I think I know where this is going. Oh, it's a disaster. I'm so
1: intrigued. Uh just wait, it gets worse. We are just the masters
0: of disasters, aren't we? Calamity Janes.
1: Welcome to the Calamity Janes podcast. I am Bailey. I'm Madison. And today, what are we going to talk about, Madison? What are you going to teach me about?
0: The Apollo 13 mission (gasps) slash disaster.
1: A space
0: disaster. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. And I feel like it's extra appropriate to talk about this today because at 3:30 a.m. uh Martian time, uh NASA flew I think that's Earth time. The Earth it happened time. Earth time. Whatever. At 3:30 a.m. Earth time, NASA flew the first uh helicopter or hella vehicle on the moon. Mars. Oh my god. I'm You're going to get the- <laughs> <laughs> okay, kind of though. <laughs> you you were so close. Was, I'm doing it again? I'm nope no, nope, nope We're keeping it. We're keeping it. <laughs> oh God, I thought I was gonna be so cool bringing this up. Like I'm really up to date on
1: current events. <laughs> 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 you were. No, you were. I I love it. Um, it's oh, a God. team effort. <laughs> <laughs> I got the moon on the brain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's why no one faults you for this. It's, it's an endearing mistake and one that I will hold over your head for, <laughs> gosh, ever.
0: So let's go get I'm started. so excited about it. Okay, whatever. I know, I go NASA. Well. Very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. We're flying drones
1: on another planet.
0: Yes. Remotely. They said they were looking to do five more flights this year um, of Probably. Like, increasingly more Long. difficult. Yeah. Because mm. they got to a... They went up ten feet today, and I think the next one is supposed to be sixteen feet and some horizontal movement, ending in an obstacle course that, if I were to design it, would look like a Quidditch course. With the I rings. love that. Yes, yeah, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, but I'm, alas, not in control of this
0: mission. But just so you know, vote for me for. NASA mission design
1: <laughs> specialist in the future. You
0: know, I saw the pictures of them applauding in the jet propulsion laboratory, and I was mm-hmm. like, that's it. Bailey could just really amp up that experience.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I could be such a hype girl at JPL. Oh, man. Put me in that room. Woo, 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 woo. Banners, T-shirt guns. They probably wouldn't allow that because of all the, you know, computers in the room, but whatever.
0: That's okay. Confetti cannons. Ah. Oh. We'll get there eventually.
1: Yeah. You know, that's NASA's about innovating. How can we have the T-shirt cannon and the confetti cannon and make it work in,
0: around the parameters it needs to work in? That's Those what are the hard you...
1: questions that I'm
0: willing to solve. I'm sure they're going to be extremely grateful for that.
1: As they should be. Tell me about Apollo 13.
0: Okay. The Apollo 13 mission had a rough go of it from the get-go. Just days before the launch, backup lunar module pilot Charles Duke exposed the entire crew to German measles. What? Yeah, not good. I don't know how the German measles differ from the... Other measles? Yeah. I assume it's not good. I think measles is just kind of not good, no matter how it is. Yeah. But... So this was pre-vaccine, or maybe that's why it was a big deal, because German measles
1: is different
0: yeah i would assume so um yeah because i when i watched the movie again uh which apparently is extremely accurate but for Uh a couple of things that i'll talk about later but uh yeah it was it turned into who everyone all crews had been exposed but then who had had it before who had immunity Oh, okay. Command module pilot Ken Mattingly had no immunity to the disease, and as a result, was replaced by backup command module pilot John Swigert. Additionally, ground tests before the launch indicated that the supercritical helium tank in the lunar module may have been poorly insulated, resulting in the modification of the flight of the flight plan to allow an onboard readout of the helium tank pressure.
1: Yeah, generally not off to a good foot.
0: No. Despite all this, Apollo 13 launched at 2.13 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on April eleventh, nineteen 1970. Five and a half minutes after liftoff, the three-man crew of John Swigert, Fred Hayes, and James Lovell felt a small vibration. Soon after, the center engine of the S-2 stage shut down two minutes early, causing the remaining four engines to burn 34 seconds longer than planned on the S-4B third stage. Oh, and the S-4B third stage to burn nine seconds longer to put the crew into orbit. The mission then proceeded with very few hiccups. So they
1: just got more of a
0: boost than they expected, is that? Yeah, they uh, obviously are trying to be extra precise with a lot of these things. Uh, Sure,
1: you don't want to just go flying off into space because you got
0: too much juice on the way up? Exactly. So, yeah, it looks like because one of the engines burned longer, uh, well, still, Two, yeah, two of the engines burned longer. Again, we're already kind of thrown off a little bit, but we are safely in space. Uh, Things are going okay. Everyone's doing all right. We're like, okay, that's fine. Obviously, there are plenty of protocols in place to deal with uh, almost anything that can happen.
1: It just astounds me that with all of the jiggling and hubbub they're undoubtedly feeling at the time
0: of liftoff that they say, oh, but this was a a special wiggle that didn't belong. That's exactly what I was thinking. I feel like every time I see movies or video from inside the not cockpit command module i guess but
1: well, it's kind of if it's a shuttle it's like a cockpit yeah
0: yeah exactly but it's like and
1: everything's shaking it's like violently yeah
0: i don't understand how you could possibly i don't know maybe it's once they're not wiggling around so much that they felt a small vibration but yeah. anyways here's where the real excitement starts the disastrous part of our mission
1: uh, nearly but luckily this is an i survive story so we know
0: oh thank it's goodness. A good ending. yeah This is a positive one. Nearly 56 hours into their mission and nine minutes after signing off from a 49-minute TV broadcast, the crew's number two oxygen tank, blew, taking number one with it. Yeah. When you talk about things that are probably the most important for your immediate survival in space, I feel like oxygen would be really up there.
1: Oxygen is it. So two tanks gone. How many tanks do they have? Uh, not many. Uh... Yeah. Number. I mean, it makes sense. It's weight. You don't want to take that much excess weight up with you because
0: that's more fuel, more money. (sighs) Exactly. And a quick note about this, this TV broadcast. So after the success of our first moon landing, people just did not care about this anymore. Which is so strange. I know. When I was. It, oh, I agree. I still get jazzed when we launch anything into space. and
1: Like that helicopter they just launched on the moon. Oh, God. <laughs> okay.
0: You're never going to let me forget it. I was trying Literally to Literally be... never. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so this was something that was similar in the movies as it was in real life. Uh, so no one cared about this broadcast. Uh, in fact, people in the control center on the ground or in ground control were watching a basketball game. That was no yeah i mean obviously they were doing their jobs but as far as like this broadcast which was just supposed to be like a fun look at what we do in space sort of thing no one was really paying attention to it um so it just and goes they to show say we
1: have short attention spans like exactly
0: yeah so but they did this really long tv broadcast they they were doing their jobs uh and the nine minutes yeah, nine minutes after they signed off, the number two tank blew, and it took number one down with it. So, so that wasn't broadcast? No, it was right after they ended. Uh, so if you back up for a minute, this <laughs> this poor number two oxygen tank has been around the block. This tank was previously installed in the service module of Apollo 10, removed for modification, and subsequently damaged. So once it was fixed, the tank—once it was fixed, in quotation marks—the tank was installed on the Apollo 13 service module. So prior to this mission, the tanks were meant to be emptied roughly half full during a test. So they obviously want to test all of the most important parts of what they're sending up there before. So during the test, they're meant to empty these tanks to roughly half full. When this test was carried out, number one emptied correctly, but number two only dropped to ninety-two percent. And attempts to expel the liquid oxygen were unsuccessful. So what they then tried to do was just to kind of uh take it all out. They were like, all right, let's just start again with the oxygen I'm the here. So their attempts to expel the liquid oxygen were unsuccessful, and eventually attempts were made to boil off the remaining oxygen in tank number two. Those attempts were successful, but a component replacement was overlooked during design modification, and the heating element of the tank was damaged. That doesn't sound good. No, it's not. And I was reading an article that goes way more in-depth about exactly how this was damaged, and I'm not sure how impactful that discussion would really be here exactly but what i saw was the temperature inside the tank is never supposed to get over like 80 degrees or fahrenheit uh and it yeah, reached up to yeah because oxygen
1: is like really volatile and
0: it like, reached, but oxygen
1: is super volatile
0: exactly and i think uh if what i'm looking at here is correct uh the temperature inside the tank rose to a 1000 degrees fahrenheit And so it damaged insulation uh, on the wiring inside the tank and essentially created a small bomb in this tank.
1: I'm shocked it wasn't a bigger bomb.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, What happened here could have just been so much worse.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, because it's attached to a ship. Like, what kind of damage did it then do to their little capsule?
0: Well, we're getting there. So now we're back. We know tank number two's origin story. Uh, so number two blows, causing number one to fail, and taking the command module's supply of electricity, light, and water.
1: All of it. They have yes. none of it.
0: Yeah. So this combined with a sharp bang and vibration prompted Swigert to utter the famous line, Houston, we've had a problem here. Which, again, is not houston we houston, have a problem we have
1: a problem interesting yes
0: they that was one of the ways that the movie differed slightly from real life i mean i feel like of all of the things it's still pretty darn close but uh yes so there there's that but i feel like that's actually something a lot of people are starting to know is that it, it, the real line was slightly different would not have known if you hadn't told me oh okay well here we are educating the masses Warning lights indicated that two of the three fuel cells were lost, one oxygen tank was completely empty, and the remaining tank was fading fast. Imminent disaster was confirmed when Lovell's observation of a gas venting out of the module was confirmed by ground control to be oxygen quickly venting into space.
1: It's like the, the oxygen they had left. Is that coming from inside the capsule or in, or
0: one of the tanks? Uh, I think it's from the tank. I think it's leaking. Gotcha. Yeah. That
1: would make sense because uh, I don't think they would live long if there was like a crack in the
0: gas. Yeah, I don't think so. I think the vacuum of space would have quickly made that crack much, much bigger.
1: Yes. This would have gone very differently.
0: Exactly. But how devastating to watch your oxygen. Like you can literally Deplete. see it being vented right outside.
1: Um, I don't. Good thing they train them because... If you ask me right now, my mental state to deal with it, I mean, it would be it could break me. I don't know how you would stay cool in those under those circumstances.
0: I don't either. And that is apparently another way that the movie differs. Uh, obviously, in the movie, things are very dramatic. Tensions are a little high. Apparently, none of that happened. Obviously, everyone was very nervous, but they were laser focused on making sure that they were doing things correctly. But uh, so, again, you can see why they would have taken some artistic license with that in the movie. But everyone sure. was working together very, very well.
1: Sure. Because I'm su- I'm sure when you hear the black box recording or whatever the space equivalent, like in planes, it's a black box. But whatever that equivalent is in space, it's probably very calm. And they're like, this is not going to sell well in a movie. It yeah. does not convey the kind of drama. How
0: will people understand and feel what these men felt when they're not emoting? Exactly. So after that, the crew immediately closed the hatch between the lunar module and the control module to limit losses. Unable to lock the hatch after discovering the leak wasn't within the cabin, the crew strapped the hatch to the control module couch. One hour and 29 seconds after the bang, the oxygen tank was slowly reaching zero and ground control in Houston suggested thinking about the lunar module lifeboat. Can you explain to me what that is, how that works? So you've got... A lunar module and a control mm-hmm. module. So the lunar module is what they're meant to put onto the moon,
1: mm-hmm. the little
0: spidery looking thing, mm-hmm. climb out of that, do their little moon dance, and come back in. Love that. Yes. Moon dance. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. Uh, so they're they're not meant to be doing things in there so much right now. Okay, it's not powered up. It's not equipped to be running in this way uh also and this is my my next point um the lunar module was only built for a 45 hour lifetime and that now needed to be stretched to three hours and it was also only meant for two men and it needed to accommodate three men for twice as long
1: oh that makes sense you would have someone stay up in the orbiting orbiter
0: Mm -hmm. oh exactly so so the crew at first was likely very disappointed that the moonwalk that they were extremely excited about wasn't going to happen. Then that turned into, oh, my God, how do we get home?
1: Yeah. And alive.
0: Yeah. Lots of emotions going on right now. So um, quick question, and
1: you might address this later. When the blast happened, did it um, make them veer off course? And if it did, did they still have their their little jets that kind of
0: help them steer where they need to be going. They, I think, I do address that briefly. They, I'm not sure how off course they got, but they were having to adjust um, okay. because they obviously were going in for a lunar landing. But now that they have no power, or they're trying to conserve the power that they do have, mm-hmm. thrusting, turning anything no. on, yeah. it has to be extremely limited and very Strategic. precise. Yeah. Yeah. So while all of this was going on, ground controllers in Houston had to write completely new procedures that needed to be tested before being executed by the crew.
1: So, I bet they turned off the basketball game.
0: Uh, yes, I bet they did at the moment. Again, they were all doing their jobs. I just don't think they were watching the fun, this is how we live in space broadcast. <laughs> I don't want to diss the 1970 ground control crew for Apollo 13. <laughs>
1: No, of course not. On the other hand,
0: it's of all the people who should be watching it. I know. Probably you. Just like you. Yeah, I agree. Of utmost importance was the lack of navigation. Uh, Again, like I said, the lunar module was only built for 45-hour lifetime, needed to be stretched to 90 hours, and accommodate an extra person. As a result, energy consumption was reduced to one-fifth to conserve power. Yeah. Yeah. Water was also a concern. The crew was estimated to run out of water five hours before re-entry, and as a result, each crew member cut down their intake to only six ounces per day. Six ounces. Very teeny tiny. Which would
1: make sense. I guess it's better than no water.
0: Yeah. This led the crew to becoming dehydrated and losing nearly 50% more weight than any other crew. They ended their mission with 9% of their total water. How many days was this? That's a really good question. Um, okay, April 17th. It lasted six days. Yeah, they
1: launched on— And was on, that how long it was supposed to last? Or was this the abbreviated time because everything
0: happened? I imagine this was the abbreviated time. Okay. Yeah, they launched on April 11th. They landed April 17th. Okay. You know I don't do well
1: with dates. Just, That's and, fine. and doing math with dates. Remember the last episode? They're just They're just numbers. I can't do that kind of math in my head.
0: I'm with you. I also hate math of any sort. Well, in addition to water and power, there were fears of carbon dioxide buildup within the module. Lithium Of hi- course, because they're breathing. Yeah, every single breath they're expelling more carbon dioxide. Lithium hydroxide canisters designed to remove CO2 from the spacecraft in the command module were not compatible with the lunar module. Uh so they this Once you, since you haven't seen the movie, once you watch it, this is a square peg round hole situation. The uh, canisters designed for the command module, I believe, were square, and they needed to be round in the literally yes, literally square peg round hole. Exactly. This is where in the movie they they pour out all the contents onto a table and say, "This is what the astronauts have. Let's figure out how to do it." And they did. They created. Uh, I hadn't... And then there's a montage and then the uplifting music, the
1: determined yet uplifting music comes on. I love it. I love it. Exactly. I it's... mean, I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But it's just where my mind takes it.
0: I love that. You know, editorialize all you want. You got it. It makes me feel better. Thank you. It makes me feel better, too. Um. So a day and a half into trying to make all of this work. Carbon dioxide had built up to dangerous levels. With a hope, a prayer, plastic bags, cardboard, and tape, mission control crafted a way to attach the control module canisters to the lunar module. Woo! Sorry, cardboard and tape? He yes. mentioned? Uh, duct tape, specifically. And because of this mission, this is why they always carry duct tape on other missions. Subsequent missions. Wow. Okay, let's see what a little duct tape can do. Exactly. So they were able to figure out how to uh, get or remove CO2. They got it back down to acceptable levels, which was very important, obviously. They're conserving their water, conserving power. Now the biggest problem is how do you get these kooky kids back to Earth?
1: Uh yeah, yes, because they have a they have a um, itinerary change, it sounds like
0: they sure do. Uh the spacecraft was on course for a lunar landing, and they somehow needed to change that to a free return to Earth trajectory. Normally, the crew would use the Alignment Optical Telescope to find a suitable navigational star to align the craft. But because the because of the explosion that allowed oxygen to be vented out into space, debris from the explosion made it impossible to discern real stars from mobile debris. So, in, yeah... Not good. Not good at all.
1: It only gets worse. There is no, but don't worry. Yeah.
0: This happened. The light at the end of the tunnel is there. It just keeps getting worse. Exactly. So instead, an alternate procedure using the sun for alignment was created, allowing for the two burns required to get back to Earth. Smart, smart. Mm Mm-hmm. Not only was the crew dehydrated, flying blind, and afraid of not getting home, having the electrical system turned off dropped the temperature of the module to 38 degrees, making it difficult for the crew to sleep and even really function. So the entire time, once they tried to to conserve power, it got really, really cold because space is not so warm and cozy.
1: No, that is a fact that I do know about space. Um... And I have a feeling they're not in, like, their spacesuits the whole time, are they? No. Can they wear that for warmth? They're in something thinner, right? Like flight suits. Yes.
0: Yeah, they're in much thinner material. Uh, So they're cold. Um, If you think about... You know, your dexterity is impacted when you're really cold. Your thinking is impaired when you're really cold. So the entire time they're doing this, it's freezing inside the module. And they're trying to remove carbon dioxide. They're trying to conserve water. They're trying to navigate. Just pushing buttons. Using my phone when I used to live in, like, Minnesota, it was
1: painful. I... I Mm -mm. If I didn't have to, like, take my phone out and take my fingers out of my gloves if I didn't have to, would not do it. Cannot imagine.
0: Exactly. And it was so cold that they were afraid that they would have a hard time powering the module back up. And the inside was covered in condensation, like little water droplets over everything. That can't be good. No. High moisture in next to all your electronics. Exactly. Thankfully, they were able to power up okay. They used the sun for navigation and... Uh, Four hours before landing, the crew detached from the service module and observed an entire panel missing and wreckage hanging out. It was probably about as bad as it could have been while still allowing them to live. I see. So
1: they navigated using the sun,
0: going around. So they used the gravitational pull of the moon to slingshot around and come back to Earth. I see. I see the old slingshot maneuver. Exactly. Did they actually go fat? Like, did they feel a a marked difference in their speed? That's a really good like question. I, I'm not sure. I would be fascinated to know. Because I've always envisioned it when I when I hear these slingshot maneuvers,
1: kind of like the um, what is that training thing they put them in, like the centrifugal force where they basically spin them around until they pass out. You know what I mean? Yes. So the, the, that tests how many g-forces their body can handle before they pass out that's what i envision this being like because they're going all the way around the dark side of the moon
0: i would be so interested to know i can tell you in the movie which the astronauts have said is for the most part very accurate that did not happen it was a rather oh. emotional moment of watching the moon go by and you you know missing out on the opportunity to walk on it but Again, I'm not sure. That is not information that I found online. Makes sense. And when you think about it, the radius of the little G ride at NASA is
1: much smaller than the radius of the moon, so probably much, um, m- much lower force on their body. This this makes sense. This exactly. Makes sense. Oh, another question. Um, they didn't have any sun when they were behind the moon, right?
0: I like, would assume. Totally... Yeah. So they were in total darkness for some amount of time too. I think so. When they came back around after they did their little slingshot, then they had to get it exactly the right angle so they wouldn't bounce off our atmosphere. But and they also wouldn't Sorry, bounce off? That's an option? Yeah, well, hey, you tell me. You will probably have more information about that concept than I do.
1: Nope, I I would thought everything just came right through the only The only thing that mattered was whether you burnt up or not.
0: Exactly. Well, come in too shallow, you'll bounce off. Come in, I guess, probably not too deep, but come in too sharply and you'll burn up. Too hot, too fast. Exactly. Interesting. You just skip like a rock if you come in too shallow.
1: I never knew that.
0: Yeah. But if you... So that's why angles are so important and why they needed to use the sun in this tiny little window they had to make sure that they were going to hit it at right the just the right angle because they had so such limited power, too. But, uh, alas, they did it. And three hours later, the crew left Lunar Module Aquarius and fell into the Pacific Ocean near Samoa.
1: Oh, that must have been... I mean, I guess if they hadn't peed their pants before, this probably wouldn't be it because it's like finally relief. But, man, well, and they're so dehydrated, that's like the last thing they're doing. So never mind. I'm just thinking... Boy, I'd peep my pants from either fear or excitement, just having it all be over.
0: Yeah, exactly. I have, until a couple of years ago, failed to appreciate what falling back to earth is really like. I had the. I got to go see the Kelly brothers in college. They came to. Cool. Yeah, it was so cool. They came and gave a talk. They are fascinating. They. We're talking about what it was like to fall back down to Earth after, or once you reenter the atmosphere. And they said it was like going down Niagara Falls in a barrel that's on fire.
1: With, with stuff that's hotter than fire, when, um, I think I've seen videos, or maybe I've just vividly imagined this based on the description of plasma, like on the shuttle, when you, mm. there is like literal plasma sparking all around you and you're like, this is so hot, it's not even fire.
0: Yeah. It, it's like you can't really fathom what that temperature is like. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. And there is a very thin,
1: relatively thin barrier between you and that plasma. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I... It's hard to me. It's hard for me to even really think about. Because also when you see it in movies or, you know, it's a lot of shaking. I never really registered the sensation of falling as part of that. That is probably one of my worst fears is falling from a great height. This was my nightmare.
1: Well, and they are falling backwards, right? It's yeah. not like the shuttle where you're landing like a plane. They are strapped in looking at the sky. And there's just a tiny porthole. Mm -hmm. That they can see, like, a little bit of blue out of, right? Yeah. Or I guess they have little on the sides. They do, too. They can see what's going on. They might, yeah. Uh, Anyway, not a good time. Not... I don't like flying in a plane backwards, let alone, you know? You know those tiny little planes? Remember that? Didn't we fly on a plane once where it was, like, you, me, and mom, and one of us sat backwards? That was me.
0: Yeah. It was on a little...
1: uh, Prop plane out of Virginia? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I flew on one of those backwards and I was like, never again. Never again. I got so
0: sick doing that. It was awful. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it was so, so that, but falling down to the earth, hundreds of miles an hour with fire all around you. Yeah, exactly. And you're just, nothing in your mission has gone right. And so you're just waiting for the next wrong thing to happen. You're like, there's
1: no way all of this could have gone right so far what else what else is next
0: yeah exactly but they did land safely thankfully and the yeah, they did. apollo 13 mission reinvigorated interest in the space program that's one of course really did. big bonus to come out of this the entire world paused to pray for the safe return of the three brave men who with the help of a hard-working ground crew ventured into the dark unknown in the pursuit of science and fought all odds to make it home
1: i know and they all
0: lived happily ever after it's beautiful it's It's so beautiful i love science i know it's situations like that that even if everything had gone right it just gives you the chills just so many people all came together for one big goal to explore something that no one had ever done before And they and when things
1: went wrong, they rallied and they put their heads together and through hard work and
0: perseverance, they triumphed. Exactly, (laughs) it's just so beautiful. (laughs) I know. Uh, I love it. It makes me want to be a part of like mission control or something. I want to be there for those big moments, the big applause. You know, when we land helicopters on the moon.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> Is being half of getting this podcast off the ground not satisfying enough for you? What if I applaud? What, what if I say mission accomplished? Oh, thank you. There are the tears. Yeah. Yeah. OK, great. You're a part of something bigger.
0: Thank you. It's all I've ever wanted. It's all anyone wants. Well, that. Wow. Meta. <laughs> That is the story of Apollo 13. Thankfully, everyone made it home safely. We learned a lot of lessons, and it made people more excited about space travel again, or space exploration.
1: And ensuring space safety. Gotta
0: love that. Yeah.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Duct tape. Who knew? Exactly. And I think shortly before this happened, the fire in—you Uh, you might be able to help me out with this or just cut this part— but the in the test module yeah
1: yeah also due to an oxygen tank issue
0: right yeah and they couldn't get the yeah. door open mm-hmm. yeah so all three perished yeah it was awful so, so we thankfully every experience is a learning opportunity they make changes constantly they're just i don't know i just love that they just keep going they just are so determined You have no other option You have no other option. What are you going to do? Shrug your shoulders and say, well, next time. Get him next time. No. You keep going. Exactly. Failure is not an option, as was said in the movie, but was never said in the actual mission. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. But they were okay with it. I think one of the astronauts later on wrote a book under that title. They liked it. But we were all thinking it. (laughs) Exactly. And the last big difference between the movies is that not only was the crew not fighting with each other, the ground control was very composed. No one was freaking out. Well, I'm sure internally there was lots of pants peeing, but there was, everyone was working together. No one was angry. And I just feel like that's another important thing to bring up. Everyone was doing a wonderful job.
1: Because were they... uh things i'm sure they they turned up the drama for the movie right so it was like tensions what ran high and yes precisely but and who could blame them you're sitting at 32 degrees cold and hungry yeah yeah who wouldn't be a little snippy Mm -hmm.
0: but they all did great and they made it home and that's the story of apollo 13 (sighs) wonderful thank you so much for sharing that with me Moo.
1: You are so welcome. I learned a lot. I learned a lot for being such a landmark space disaster in the United States. I just didn't know a whole lot about it and you know, I hadn't
0: seen the movie, so I'm going to go watch that now. Good, you should. Uh it's it's a really good one. I'm a big Tom Hanks fan personally. So How can it's, you know, how can you not be? Yes, he plays Jim Lovell and oh man, does he do a great job. Are you really... You can't expect anything else. No. About it, about I mean, it. you have like Mr. an all-star Hanks. crew. You got Bill Paxton, uh, Tom Hanks, and Kevin Bacon. And now is when we review the movie Apollo 13. Madison, our film critic, take it away. <gasps> I'm on it. Uh, apparently, they almost <laughs> casted John Travolta for Tom Hanks, uh, his role. And God, I'm glad they did not do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't. Um, I mean, you know, he's he's done some serious stuff but
0: there's just yeah the delivery he, he was just coming off of his pulp fiction fame
1: that was at that time yeah oh i'm envisioning um like face off um
0: no this was before you know, that this was in the 90s entering his
1: villain phase gotcha Yeah. okay
0: they also mm-hmm. tried to get brad pitt involved he turned it down and again i think that's that's
1: probably a solid choice
0: yeah and uh What's his name? I think it's Gary Sinise uh, plays the astronaut, uh, Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Oh! He plays the astronaut who got or was exposed to German measles. So he was on the ground helping them figure out what to do.
1: Gotcha. And that I could see because he had a buzz cut in Forrest Gump for some amount of time. Yeah. So it's very easy for me to see him in a military role because.
0: Just an all-star crew all the way around. Yeah could not recommend enough uh and that is my just very brief why you (laughs) should my movie
1: review (laughs) 10 out of 10 cast amazing well thank you so much Moo. um this was our episode on apollo 13 if you enjoy this podcast we encourage you to subscribe and please rate the podcast because it really helps us out and we just we want to see you back here next week right Moo? i mean come on back yeah Okay, I'm more enthusiastic about you than she is, so come back for me, people. We really appreciate you, and we'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye. Later.